welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. I trust everyone had a happy holiday, and everyone's looking forward to tomorrow's new year. Well, I'm back with a brand new episode. The final episode of this treacherous year. And wouldn't you know it, a recent snowstorm has actually uh, engulfed a good bit of my time. You see, Sarah and I got some new snowshoes. I've kind of been playing hooky the past few days. But I'm back tonight with some fresh content. Content so fresh, I don't even know what it is. That's right. Tonight's episode is another installment of our Grab Bag series. Now, for those paying attention, there are no rules to the grab bag. I sort of make them up as we go along. But this week's grab bag is truly blind. I grabbed a handful of calls, some of which have been sitting in the queue for quite a while. And I'm going to listen to them for the first time, just like you. So without further ado, and further hesitation... I kick it over to Joe, who has a story out of the state of Arizona that'll make your blood run cold. Hey, Derek, this is Joe, and the event took place in Arizona. I was probably six years old. Basically, I was sleeping in my room with my brother, and um, I was a young boy, and I always had... Uh, like, I guess you could say, uh, sightings. I was, um, I was very aware of the spiritual realm and I woke up, it was bright, sunny, uh, morning in Arizona. And, um, usually my ritual back then was to get up and, you know, grab some cereal and watch cartoons. And I remember that day I got up and I was super excited to, you know, continue with my ritual. My um, older brother, he's four years older than me, was sleeping above me. I was on the ground. He was on one of those pop-out beds, and he was sleeping above me. And I remember sitting up, and about five feet away from me, I seen a demon. The face was, it looked like the demon got melted. His face was, like, melted. It was basically, to me, the most, the scariest representation of what a demon would be it almost seemed like he knew what to present himself as you know to scare the bejesus out of me and i was so terrified i couldn't even move and i remember every time i would even like utter my brother's name to try and wake him up he would like jump at me and get closer but at the same time he kind of stayed in the same um, spot the door was halfway closed and he was pretty much like peeking around it. So the bottom of his body was kind of behind the door, but his upper body and his face was, uh, you know, exposed. And every time I would um, try and like nudge my brother or, you know, speak his name, it would basically lunge at me. And it almost felt like he was a foot away from my face. And I remember I would just throw my um, covers over my head and, you know, I was just trembling. This happened for about an hour, 
And every time I would, I would like wait five minutes with um, the blanket covered over my head and I would pull it back down and it would still be there. And I mean, it was, it was the most, till this day, I'm 32 years old. And that was the scariest point, the scariest, scariest experience I've ever, you know, encountered. And finally I pulled my covers down one more time and it was just gone. And I've had a lot of other experiences um, besides that one, um, I in in that childhood house. I think I grew up in the house, and we left when I was probably thirteen. And from you know, whenever I was a child, uh, thirteen, I I think I've seen like three or four ghosts. That was the only demon that I've ever seen like visually my whole life. But in that same house, I remember I was in the living room, and it was completely dark. I was by myself, and. There was uh, the living room and then the hallway leading to the garage. And my parents' room was at the end of the hallway. And then the garage door was right by the room. And I remember walking out into the living room. It was, it was the whole house was dark, but you know, you could still kind of see there was still some ambient light in the um, room. And it was light enough for me to see all the way to the, you know, the end of the hallway where the garage door was. And I remember looking down that hallway and seeing a transparent man dressed, basically it looked like Peter Pan almost. He had a feather in his hat and um, he was like sitting, my parents' door was closed and he was just standing at the door. It looked like he was almost waiting for it to open. And I go and he noticed that I was noticing him and he turned, looked at me and basically ran just sprinted towards me. There was a couch in, in between him and myself, and I'm like, okay, he's not to go around it. No, he jumped over the couch, and then I basically just closed my eyes. I was so terrified. I couldn't do anything. I closed my eyes, and he just ran right through me. I literally felt his his presence, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, whatever they're made of. And um, that was pretty much it. It vanished when, when, you know, it exited my body. But that was another terrifying event that happened in my childhood. Thank you, Derek. I, I love what you're doing. And I listen to your podcast every day. And, um, yeah, I just wish the best. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you, Joe, for the submission. These are some spooky encounters. Now, I thought it was interesting that Joe mentioned the idea of the entity knowing what to present itself as, to induce as much fear as possible. Now, I've heard that theory before, and I'll be honest, it sounds terribly cruel, but also effective. Now, as for the two entities that Joe encountered in his story, I found it interesting that both seemed to be inspired by film or television. The classic demon look and a Peter Pan-esque silhouette Now, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little suspicious that imagination may have played a role in this certain encounter. But Joe sounds credible, and it doesn't sound like he's overreacting or trying to pull one over on us. So with that, we have to take him for his word. But before we move on, I think it's important that we point out that we don't often hear about entities passing through people. It's something like Peter Pan and the Demon that is usually saved for the movies. I'd really like to hear a further description on how it actually felt to have that entity pass through. Thanks again, Joe, for sharing your call. 
Now our next story comes to us from an anonymous source and takes place a world away. Hi, so this is a, um, something that happened to my husband and this was in China. And so it happened when he was around 11 or 12. So probably the year 2000, 2001. And he and his little brother were with their dad and they were going to pick up their grandma. Their grandma lived in this apartment complex and it was around like seven o'clock at night, seven or eight. And um, their dad wanted to stay in the car and uh, he sent the two up to go pick up their grandma. So my husband, he left with his younger brother and they went up the stairs, just kind of, you know, just going to pick up the grandma, go back, nothing big. And they noticed two men sitting down on the stairway, uh, just talking. Um, They didn't notice much about it, um, so they just went on their way, uh, knocked on the door. Their grandma told them, you know, I'll just be like 10 to 15 minutes. So uh, the boys decided that they would go back down and, like, sit on the bottom stoop of the stairs or something. So as they went down, the guys were talking louder and, you know, just normal Like, you know, you you just go and you turn your head and you look like who's talking. And so he and his younger brother looked. And when they looked at the two men, the two men didn't have any faces. They, you know, had hair. There was the silhouette. They had like suits on, but there were no faces. And the men turned, whatever they were, they turned and they looked at my husband and his younger brother and just stared and there was just silence and uh, my husband immediately grabbed his younger brother's hand and ran for it they ran and they went back to their dad and they told their dad the story and he kind of brushed it off but even to this day when my husband and his uh, brother talk about this story they both saw it there was enough lighting in that stairwell that they saw those men's well they didn't have any faces, but they saw those two men, whatever they were, didn't have faces. And they think it might be ghosts. The place might be haunted. They're not sure. But my husband doesn't get scared of anything, but he still gets shivers whenever he talks about that story. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Collar. I couldn't imagine seeing something like that as a child. I feel like something that traumatic would live with you throughout most of your life. But the mention of a faceless man, or men in this case, got me thinking about an experience I remember hearing about when I was doing some research for our upcoming documentary. The story came from a YouTube user named Matt Squatch, who has several videos from uh, the Southern California area. Well, he was driving down a road, and and he too saw what he believed to be a faceless person. But uh, I'll let him tell you exactly how it went down. I got off at 11. I went for a little bit of a drive after work. I went down San Diego Canyon, pretty much probably to uh, Silverado Canyon or so, 
and I'm driving along the road and I'll see if I can point out the location, but I see this man, he's dressed like 1920s and 30s where it's like he's wearing like dark flannel shirt and like, I don't think jeans, they just look like regular like pants. He was wearing like a, like a red flannel hat, like the ones that have the wool lining on them that kind of come down over the years. I remember seeing this guy and I remember, oh, there's a, there's a dude. And like, oh, okay. And the thing I flipped my brights on because I didn't want to hit him. And I kind of pulled off to the left because there's a couple lanes there to kind of see him a little bit better. And as the road curved, I remember it lighting him up and I remember not seeing any facial features or glasses or anything like that. And I remember, oh, it looks like an old man. And as I approached and the headlights turned, I realized he had his hat, he had his flannel shirt and I slowed down and he was just walking, completely ignored that I was there, but he had no face no face whatsoever, just completely blank. So I drove by him, went probably another 50 yards and said, what was that? So I flipped around, pulled a U-turn right in the middle of the road. There was nobody coming either way and drove and drove by really slow, just past where he was and he was gone. So I certainly don't know what was sighted there, but I'm happy that I wasn't the one that saw it. And of course, that video comes courtesy of Matt Squatch on YouTube. Thanks again, caller, for sharing your entry. Now, if you have a story you would like to hear played on the show, you can give the hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And don't forget, I'm still looking for water occupation stories. So if you're a fisherman, a water ski instructor, maybe you drive along a river every day of your life, or, or you saw something strange while lifeguarding on summer vacation. Either way, we want to hear those stories for an upcoming special episode about jobs that pertain to water. So please get those calls in, and when you do, make sure you mention the word water early on, so I can do a smart search and pluck your stories from the bank. Now, speaking of stories, our next story of the evening comes to us from the state of New Hampshire. Please welcome Aubrey to the show. Hi, Derek. My name is Aubrey, and I live in New Hampshire. And I've got to tell somebody about this because I'm absolutely freaked out. And I know no one's going to believe me, so I'm hoping that those of you who do believe could uh, take my story, you know, seriously. So... Right now, um, I am out in um, Augusta, Maine for uh, trading for work, and um, they have us up at a hotel. It is a normal hotel. It's a quality inn and doesn't look old. It's done. It's nice. And I'm here for a week. So I am on day three. Last night was Wednesday, and nothing's happened. Everything is fine. I've never experienced anything weird, so to say, in my life. And I'm laying there. It's about 8 o'clock. I'm exhausted. Um, but, you know, I'm not ready to sleep yet. I have the TV playing in the background, which is behind me. I'm laying on my left side on a king bed. So um, I'm laying there playing with my phone on my left side with the covers up over me, on you know, up to my armpits. And I feel this poke in my back. I didn't think anything of it, of course, you know, weird you know, pokes and prods. Like, it wasn't, like, hard. It was just, a, like, a light, like a finger pushed on me. 
And so I, I sat for a second and I looked behind me and there was nothing there. I, I looked over the bed. There's nothing there. And in most hotels, there's no underside to the bed. It's like completely blocked off. So you can't put anything under the bed. So I knew there wasn't anything under the bed. And I'm like, okay, it was probably just blankets or something in the way I moved. And I just go stay back on my left side, playing with my phone. About, like, not even 10 minutes later, uh, another poke. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to look around. I'm just going to see if it happens again. And two minutes later, another poke. And it was harder this time. <laughs> and now I'm really starting to freak out. I'm just like, oh, my God, please, please, whatever it is, I don't care. Just leave me alone. I can't do this. <laughs> and I just, you know, lay there. Another, I'd say 15 minutes went by about this time. And I know I'm wide awake. I'm playing with my phone. I'm actually YouTubing and just watching some videos. And another poke. But this time, this poke was up towards, like, the top of my spine. The pokes I was getting were like right in the middle of my back. So this poke was like hard and kind of piercing-like. It didn't feel like a finger this time. So I'm like, oh my God, all right, I've had enough of this. So I turn around to my right side thinking maybe whatever I'm laying on or something, you know, it'll change this time. It's not gonna happen again. And I lay on my right side where the most of the bend is behind me and <laughs> five minutes later goes past and poke. So I'm like turning, I whipped around and out of a split second of my eye, it was like this wooden stick. You'd grab off a branch, like a, like a little wooden stick just kind of looked like it was coming, like, like it was about to go behind the left side of the bed where I couldn't see it. Like it was popping up and then popping down. I caught just like a small glimpse of it. It looked like a stick, literally you grabbed from a branch or a tree. And like someone was like poking me and playing on the side of the bed or something. And I just like, my heart stopped. It stopped. And I was like, okay, I don't think I have enough guts to look over the side of the bed right now. So my heart is absolutely stopped. And I'm like, okay, this is stupid. I've got to just figure out what this is. Uh, it can't be anything paranormal. What spirit or ghost uses a stick to poke you in? <laughs> um, I'm still shaking right now thinking about it. So uh, slowly I, I move towards the left end of this king-size bed. And slowly I look over the edge just to see. And, of course, just like I thought, nothing was there. But I know I saw this stick, like literally a stick from a tree, come from like the end of the bed, pulling back under, like if someone was sitting on the edge of the bed, just pulling up around and poking me at the stick and coming back real quick to hide. And I know that's what I saw. Literally, this didn't even happen more than 14 hours ago. So needless to say I, I didn't sleep all night it didn't happen again because I sat up in the recliner chair and I laid there I didn't go back on the bed again I went to training obviously very exhausted right now and there is no chance that I am going back to that same room I'm getting a new room tonight 
there's nothing that I know of that happened there uh, that was weird on the property. I even asked the hotel receptionist, and she's like, no, this was built just about 15 years ago, and nothing strange. I'm like, okay, well, I need a new room. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my story. Um, not sure what to think of it. I know it's just a stick, but this is, like, freaking me out. And, uh, yeah, so if you have any <laughs> any tips for me, that'd be great. Thank you again, and I absolutely, absolutely love your show. Thank you. Just a stick. Now, I think we've all been in that situation where we thought we felt somebody poking us. I feel it all the time, in the middle of my back or the side of my leg. I think it's just muscle spasms and part of getting old. But that doesn't seem to be the case with Aubrey's story. There seems to be something more substantial to it, especially given the fact that she was able to see some sort of object ducked behind the bed. No, I really like that she went to the hotel staff to ask if any strange activity had taken place there. It's a smart move. And I'm disappointed to hear that they didn't have an existing story to help explain what was taking place there. And given that information... That would make me believe that maybe Aubrey brought something home with her. Thanks again, Aubrey, for the entry. Now guys, if you didn't get what you wanted this holiday season, treat yourself to some Monsters Among Us merchandise. Visit monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop to pick up an array of different Monsters Among Us themed items. From t-shirts, hats, mugs vinyl stickers, backpacks, and much, much more. And every penny spent in the store helps keep the show growing and going. And those brand new beanies that I teased from artist Jamie Murray, those are in the shop and ready to go. I'm wearing one right now, and I gotta say, I love it. Now our next story comes to us from Bailey. Hi, Derek. Um, my name is Bailey. I grew up around Lake Texoma. Actually, I was listening to your podcast, season eight, episode 10, and there was a boy on there, and he said he grew up around Lake Texoma. And it was some story about how he saw this big cat, like it was a big, almost cougar-like cat, but it was just oddly huge. And it reminded me of, I grew up around Lake Texoma. Literally, my high school was about three to five minute drive from the actual lake itself. And so I grew up around there. It's always running down around Lake Texoma. And I remember my house in the neighborhood, there was kind of like almost like a legend that there was big, like cougar-like cat that would stalk around and like eat the little dogs and the cats. And so... I never personally witnessed it myself, but after listening to the story, it kind of freaked me out a little because I actually had a dream about the cat that he described. It was about freshman year of high school. I was about 14, 15, just got my learner's permit. And I remember I was dreaming that there was just this huge cougar looking cat. Like it was just massive. And like, it never intimidated me. And I felt like it was looking at me almost, but it wasn't quite looking at me, if I, that makes sense. Like, it was almost kind of like it was looking through me. Like, it saw me, but I didn't 
I wasn't much care to it. Like, it was like, okay, that's that. Look on elsewhere. And so, um, but another big thing that I remember he said is that he remembers it having a collar, like if it was someone's pet, and the cougar in my dream had a collar on it. It had a bright red collar. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of strange that he said he was from around the Lake Texoma area, and he described seeing something like that in an area that it shouldn't have been in. And then I remember having a dream about a cat that basically fit that description. So I just wanted to call that in. I really enjoy your podcast. I travel a lot for school. I'm always listening to your podcast when I travel. So thank you. Thank you, Bailey. And I'm glad that the alien big cats were brought up again. Because something happened in the news recently that I've been dying to talk about. Now, I'm pretty sure that I claimed that this was impossible on past episodes. But recently, just outside of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, a white puma, mountain lion, cougar, whatever you want to call it, was photographed by a trail camera. Now, the image is stunning. It's a beautiful creature, and I've linked to it in the show notes. But I was not aware that the species could truly be albino. So, does that perhaps open doors for a melanistic mountain lion? Now, according to experts, there is still zero proof that a mountain lion, cougar, or puma can be born black. But in researching this call, I stumbled upon the following news story out of KLTV, ABC News 7, out of Tyler Longview, in the state of Texas. Perhaps this report can tie these two stories together. East Texans living in rural communities have reported seeing a ghostly image walking through the tree lines for the past two months, a mystery that may have been solved by some cell phone video. Residents have been reported seeing a large white shape moving through the pastures and the tree lines along FM 130 near Hughes Springs. That's along the Cass Morris County line. Experts are skeptical about what exactly the ghost is, but as KLTV7's Bob Hallmark shows, a number of people who've seen it believe it could be a rare big cat. This video could be one of the rarest sights in nature. The landowner who took it believes it's an albino mountain lion. When I first saw the white uh, animal, the first thing I thought it was possibly a dog. I, I feel blessed to be able to, to, to actually see it. Cox took the video to Morris County Sheriff's to examine. Taken in late November from about 50 yards away, the cat leaps over a stream and freezes. The cat jumps across about a six-foot creek there. At first, my initial thought was it was an edited video, but upon looking at it and talking to people, I, I believe it's true and white albino mountain lion. Now, I'll be honest, the video featured in this news broadcast is pretty convincing. And I've linked to it in tonight's show notes, and I highly, highly suggest you go check it out. Thanks again, Bailey, for sharing. This evening's next entry takes us to the state of Wyoming. The following was submitted anonymously. Hey, how's it going? This is not quite a law enforcement story yet, because I hadn't become a police officer yet. But in 2006, I believe it was August, there was a fire burning on the mountain where I live. And uh, our city is right at the base of that mountain. And I was out at night watering the lawn because I always watered it at night so that the heat didn't evaporate everything off. And 
I was standing out there just looking up at the sky and as I looked up, I saw a perfect equilateral triangle appear. It was uh, lit up like pink and orange and it moved about the height of a helicopter over the top of where I was at. Uh, I would say a helicopter because we have helipads right there that do medical transfers. And so it was uh, moving at about that height and at about that speed, but it was totally quiet. There wasn't any sound to it. As it moved over the top of me, it turned more orange and then it just completely disappeared into blackness and I couldn't see anything more. The whole thing probably only lasted maybe five or six seconds. I personally thought that it was some kind of military aircraft that was using some kind of light bending technology uh, and it had just happened to have picked up the uh, reflection of the fire that was occurring by the mountain. So, thanks, bye. Thank you, caller. You know, coincidentally, I've heard a lot of reports lately of people seeing some strange aircraft in the sky. Now, like our caller, most of these people don't assume this is some sort of alien piloted craft. Instead, they're pretty sure this is something military in origin. There's actually been a few photographs taken over the past five or six years of this strange triangle craft. But most of these photographs are of the craft cruising at altitudes so high that the images are vague and almost translucent. Something tells me this isn't the last time we're going to hear about this flap of strange triangle craft sightings. We'll pick this up at another time. Thanks again, caller, for sharing. Now, guys, real quick before we move on, I started something else new on Patreon. I'm still feeling things out a little bit, but I'm constantly trying to find ways to deliver new content to all of my trusty supporters. So what I've decided to do is feature a new segment over on Patreon. I'm calling it Monsters Among Us Beyond Rewind. Now essentially, it's where I take a handful of calls from earlier seasons. Then I mix those with some fresh new calls that kind of pair very well. Then we mix all that in together with a guest host. And there we have the rewind. Now I've released the first episode just yesterday with guest host David Flora of Blurry Photos. All in all, I think it went pretty well, and David was a good sport about letting me try out some different techniques. So for $4 a month, you can get that in 40-plus other episodes. So go to patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast, or search Monsters Among Us podcast Patreon in your search engine. Now, our next entry of the evening takes us to the state of Washington, where Andrea has a story waiting for us. Hi, my name's Andrea, and I grew up in a very small town in Oregon. And just to give you an idea, it has two stoplights, one very small grocery store, two gas stations, and a couple mom-and-pop places. It's about an hour away from the closest town and in the opposite direction, about two hours. And not many people traveled through. Maybe on the weekends you'd get a little bit. They'd rarely stop by, and if they did, it was just to get gas to be on their way. My graduating class had about 40 people in it, if that paints a better picture. Anyway, my best friend and her family had lived there for generations, and they knew all of the local folklore and all of that, and that caused her children to really be into the supernatural and to, like, research other things beyond that. 
I never really paid too much attention to it until one day when I was about 15, we were sitting in the living room and her older brother was talking about like astral projection and like controlling your dreams. And I kind of chimed in and I was like, well, I don't really dream or I don't remember them. So he told us how to go about it and he just really wanted me to be able to remember them. Um, And that's really the only thing that interested me because everything else kind of creeped me out. So he told me the only two steps I remember is that as soon as you wake up, you write down in a notebook everything you remember. And over time, you'll start to remember more and more because you'll be more aware or just more conscious about it, something along those lines. And the second thing to control them um, would be if during a dream, like if you thought you were in a dream, if anything was off, you would look at something with detail, look away, look back. And if the details changed, you were dreaming. So I had a couple of dreams. I'm not sure if this process worked or if it was a coincidence or if I was just more aware in general. But anyways, there were these two people that had several dreams about. One was an older man. He was probably like just talking about this. But one man, he was in his late 20s, early 30s. He was African-American. We lived in a really small country town. And so um, his appearance was very different, very exotic because he had long dreads. There were pieces that had like fabric wrapped around it. He had several piercings. And the other one was probably a young male in his 20s, and he was Native American. And I remember that specifically because we had talked about ourselves to each other in the dreams. And anyways, the first one is us just like journeying around, getting to know each other. And I'm not even sure where we were going to. We were like out in the middle of nowhere. In the second dream, same thing was happening, except for like this very creepy, I don't know if she was like a ghost or an actual person in the dream, but she had black long hair. Her face was like white as a sheet, um, really dark eyes. And then she had a red mark around her neck, like she had been like choked or hung or something. And we had escaped from her and like we were trying to get away from her for so long. And then that older gentleman, the African-American, grabbed my arm and like pulled me into a vehicle that suddenly appeared and we got away. Now the next one, I was sitting in bed, studying late at night, watching TV, and I hadn't even realized I had fallen asleep um, because in my dream I was doing the exact same thing. Except I looked up and I saw that evil woman and I like reached out my hand because she lunges at me to attack me. And that African-American man appeared again and he like pushed me and it felt like I woke up with that falling sensation. Um, And I woke up same place, you know, sitting, watching TV, but my hands were up. I did realize I was dreaming because when I was sitting there in bed, um, right before I saw the woman, I was sitting in bed and I felt like really fuzzy and I'm like, what's going on? And then I thought, hey, maybe I'm dreaming. And I looked at my computer screen that happened to be on because I was studying and I couldn't make out anything on the screen. Like I was looking at it really closely and I couldn't make out anything. And I was like, that's weird. And then I like looked away, looked back and the same thing. And I was like, wait, maybe I'm dreaming. And at that instant, when I thought that, that's when I saw the woman and she looked really angry. Still, she had the long black hair, same person, same mark around her neck. And when she lunged at me, that Mel had showed up again. And it was like he, I had reached my arms out and he had pushed me down almost um, away from her. And then when I woke up, I was still sitting on that same spot, but I was kind of leaned back how he pushed me with my arms up like I was shielding myself. And after that, I never did that again because that scared me. And I realized, you know, it could have been a coincidence. It could have been a nightmare, but I just didn't want to dabble in it. Like I had no idea what was going on.
Now, this is the really chilling part that I have not been able to get over, and I've only told two people about it. My best friend and I went to the grocery store probably three weeks later, and in our hometown, very small, um, you know everyone, and we were checking out, and her mom was waiting outside in the car for us. We were at the checkout line, and I had this weird feeling overcome me, and I had this urge to look behind me, and I looked behind me, and I don't even know how to explain it. But um, it was that man, the African-American man. And it was the most bizarre thing. He looked exactly how he looked in the dreams, the long dreads, every facial piercing, everything. And the thing that scared me the most is that when I looked at him, he was looking at me the way I suspect I was looking at him. Like he was shocked and he was looking at me like, do I know you? Or like, oh my God, that's you, you know, something along those lines. And we just stood there staring at each other for a good 30 seconds. And my friend like distracted me, like, cause we had to pay or something. And I looked away and then I don't even remember if I looked back, but like we booked out of the store and I, I, I wish now I would have talked to him or something, but I was just so scared and so freaked out that I ran out. But I have not forgot that since then. I don't know what it was but and it was like he recognized me too and i've never seen him since then i asked her if she saw him she said yes but she didn't she had no idea who he was so anyways thank you thanks andrea sounds like something straight out of a christopher nolan movie it's trippy i can't help but be very curious as to what that gentleman might have dreamt if indeed he saw andrea in his dream So that kind of leaves us with the question, is this one of those instances where there's a glitch in the matrix, perhaps out-of-body experience, or even psychic communication? Either way, it's obvious something strange was going on. Thanks again, Andrea, for sharing your call. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to our final call of the evening. And this one takes us to the state of Texas. The following was submitted by Hayden. Hey, my name's uh, Hayden from Canyon, Texas, up in the Panhandle near Amarillo. And I have like two stories that I want to tell you guys. One is about involves my grandmother, and then one's involved myself. Uh, let's do my myself first. Like I said, I grew up in Canyon, but I live in Lubbock and go to school in Lubbock, Texas. Um, go to Texas Tech. But I was up back home a couple months ago, and I was staying a night up there at my parents' house, and I was sleeping in my bed that I had been sleeping in. I don't know. I've had that bed for a long time, but two and a half, three feet tall. That was going to be important here in a second. But uh, so one of these nights, I was like, it was like midnight, 1 a.m., something like that. So I was like asleep, and all of a sudden, I just felt like I just like woke up, and I was, I was really scared. I just had this like unexplainable like feeling of dread. I don't know what that was. I thought it was my my diabetic pump had went off, which it does sometimes during the night. And so I like kind of sit up a little bit, and then I look over, try to look over to my right to turn on the lamp, and that's when I see this like thing, like really pale and really lanky and skinny, like looking like human, I guess. And it really is bald and it had really big eyes. It kind of looked like Gollum a little bit, but like not CGI, I guess. But it like it kind of looked like that, like really big head and really big eyes but it looked like it would have been like really like really tall but it was like bending over like next to my bed and uh it like was staring at me and i was just like frozen because i didn't know what to do 
uh, is this never nothing like this had ever happened before. Like growing up, I never believed in ghosts or anything like that. And of course, I was like had those fears that like, all kids have that like something's outside my window or like, I don't want to go outside at night, you know, stuff like that. But no, nothing had ever been like inside my room uh, or inside the house in general. So I was just sitting there and was staring at me and I was staring at it. And it didn't say anything. It didn't try to talk to me or anything. And it like re- slowly like reaches up its hand and like like it's long long fingers on its hand. And, like, it kind of opens its mouth a little bit. Like, just a little bit. I noticed that it had, like, really, like, kind of sharp-looking teeth. I don't know what that was, but, like, it reaches up, and it, like, touches my hand, and then immediately I, like, had this whole sensation of waking up again. Like, at first I thought it was a dream, and that's what I've been trying to convince myself over the past past months, that it was just a dream. But uh, nothing like that had ever happened. Like I said, nothing's happened since I stayed in that room like many times after that and nothing like that has happened since then so the other thing is my my grandma she lives in a little town called Quail Texas it has about like being generous 30 people that live there it's a tiny tiny little town and she's been telling me ever since she's been telling me and my cousins and my brother ever since like we were kids that there's this like black cat that lives around there she saw it when she was growing up, and uh, she sees it occasionally, sometimes too. And it's like it's one of those places where it's kind of like like there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of farms and stuff down there, and they farm cotton and peanuts and stuff. And she apparently saw it a few times outside of her house growing up, and they have hogs and stuff down there, a bunch of hogs because they eat all the the plants and stuff, and they they live in like small pockets of really tight trees that you can barely you can't really see through around the farmland and stuff and i i like see hogs out there all the time i mean obviously if if there is a, a big cat out there that's what they could eat they could eat hogs and they have various other smaller animals around out there but uh anyway i've never seen it but she swears that it exists out there and she actually saw it just seen it from she's in her 60s she saw it when she was first like 13 or something like that and like last time i heard she saw it a year and a half ago so i don't know how that works because from what i can tell large cat species don't live that long they don't live for like 40 something years so i don't know maybe there's like a family of them out there or something but you know, she she swears she, and she'll swear to her her grave that, that they are out there and she's seen them. Just walking around in her her backyard and out in the farm farmland and and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, those are my two stories. Love the podcast. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, have a good day. Thank you, sir. A good old two for one. Well, I bet I wasn't the only one that picked up on the fact that Hayden's story sounded a lot like Joe's from earlier in the show. The descriptions of the creatures were vaguely similar. Their behavior and the location or environment where these encounters took place was quite similar. And I bet I'm also not the only one that noticed that the second part of Hayden's entry reminded us a lot of Bailey's ABC entry from earlier in the show. And as far as the dates concerned in your grandmother's experience... I think the fact that those things were seen back in the 60s 
as well as current day, lends a lot of credence to the idea that this may be a flesh and blood creature. Perhaps a breeding population. Now, coincidentally enough, Texas seems to be a ABC hotspot as well. And that's going to do it for this grab bag episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And that nightmarish music you hear in the background is code.ag music and white bat audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week. Well, as I'm recording this section of the episode, it's currently sunset Wednesday evening, and it's cold outside. At least, Southern California cold. We have 15 inches of fresh powder blanketing practically everything. The wind is a bit of a bite to it. The steam dances from your mouth and into the air. And that's when someone tells a tale. A wendigo. The following is Nate's entry from the state of Massachusetts. Hey, Derek. This happened in uh, Massachusetts. I want to say it was in Lancaster, which is right, you know, right off of Route 2 West. You know, I, I grew up in the area, and there was a forest that was notoriously haunted. A lot of stories about some crazy old man that, like, butchered a bunch of people in the woods. I never believed that for a second. However... You know, there was a lot of Native Americans that lived in the area back in, like, the 1600s. There's a cemetery out there called Old Settler Cemetery, and in the middle of the cemetery, there's actually the land deed that we we acquired from the Native Americans. But anyways, so I remember one day we were going to this forest. It's called uh, Bloodtown Forest. I know, it's a creepy name for a, for a forest, but anyways. It was me and a bunch of my friends, and I, I want to stress the fact that we were stone-cold sober at the time. Uh, no alcohol, no drugs, no anything like that. And we pulled into this forest. There's a little parking area that you can pull into. And then there's a little, you know, a little gate and a little trail. And we were maybe five-minute walk into the woods at this point. And we saw this. It looked like a like a tree stump. It just, I don't know, it, it, it just didn't look right. And it, was, it, it, it looked like a tree stump, but instead of it being, you know, flat on the top where someone would have cut down a tree... It was kind of like rounded and like smooth at the top. And for some reason, me and my buddies just couldn't stop looking at this thing. And so we're, we're looking at it and, you know, can't shake the feeling that something's just not right with this. What we thought at the time was, you know, just a tree stump off in the distance. 
And the more we look at it, the more we start realizing that it's it's moving a little bit, which was very, very strange. So all of a sudden, this thing stands up, and now we're realizing that it wasn't a tree stump at all. It was something that was hunched over. I don't know. I mean, I have my theories on what it might be, but I don't know what it could have been. But the thing stood up, turned around at us, looked at us, almost looked like if you took a mummy and unwrapped all the the wrapping it had skin that was just tight around its bones sunken in eyes couldn't see any eyeballs no teeth just like a tan disgusting creature and we didn't stick around any longer i mean we we took off running probably faster than i've ever run from anything in my entire life flash forward a couple years later i don't remember if it was your podcast or another one but i'm you know listening and they're talking about Wendigos and someone had given the description of a Wendigo and at that very moment my heart sank I got goosebumps I couldn't believe what I was hearing it matched exactly the thing that me and my friends had seen in the woods so I did some research on Wendigos where they come from and all this and it turns out that you know that's a Native American legend the Wendigo and they are I don't want to get it wrong I'm not 100% sure what, you know, tribe of Native Americans lived out in this area, but they are, you know, part of their folklore. And I don't want to say that I definitely saw a Wendigo, but like I said, the description that I had heard matched this thing that we had seen in the woods to a T. This was many, many years ago. And even telling the story right now, that image is clear as day in my mind, giving me goosebumps right now thinking about it. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed that story. I really enjoy your podcast. Hope you're staying safe during these crazy times. Have a good one. Thank you, Nate. Now, the Wendigo, or Wendigo, as it's also pronounced, has grown in popularity in recent years. At this point, it's almost taken on a persona of a were-deer, or some sort of combination of man and buck. But for those not familiar there's an excellent resource on the Wendigo, on its history and its full description. Here's a quick sample of that now. The Wendigo legend originates with indigenous people who belong to the Algonquian language family. They say it's a giant humanoid cannibal who can move at an incredibly fast speed. The Wendigo is astonishingly tall, with razor-sharp teeth and claws, and lips that are often chewed ragged or gone completely. They have a heart made of ice. And despite their unending hunger for human flesh, they remain emaciated. It shrieks and can run across treetops and its presence may be preceded by a foul odor or a sudden snowstorm. Almost all Wendigos begin as humans and once transformed, it has no gender. But how does one become a Wendigo? The most common way is by eating human flesh, but there are others, including dreaming of the Wendigo. It is also believed that you can become a Wendigo without physically transforming. Someone who is in a state of inner turmoil might be at risk of becoming one. Some communities believe it can be caused by spiritual imbalance or by choosing to prioritize the self over the community. Well, that was friend of the show, Dr. Emily Zarka, from her program Monstrum on Storied and PBS. Now, her segment on the Wendigo is very detailed and very researched, so I highly, highly suggest everyone listening go take a look. The link can be found in tonight's show notes, along with links to all the other videos used in this production. 
So if you did check out Dr. Z's episode on this wild entity, you may be thinking to yourself, there's no way that this is a real thing, right? Well, what if I told you on October 3rd of 2019 in northwestern Ontario, Canada, the following was recorded by a grouse hunter, his wife, and grandchild. That clip comes courtesy of a video by Stargell Blackstar on YouTube. And I can tell you to this day that no one has definitively proven this to be a fake or found a definitive source. So make of this one what you will. Thanks again, Nate, for the entry. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a good night. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.